Welcome to Cinespection. Two guys, two opinions, talking about movies, TV, and more. Hey, thanks for joining us again this week on Cinespection. Hello, I'm Gabe. And I'm John. This week, we're going to start with a brief mention, but one nonetheless is Tom Cruise's meltdown on the set of Mission Impossible 7. We actually took a Twitter poll this week, so thanks for anybody who joined in. But we just want to talk about if it was okay, if it's not okay, how do you feel about it? Let's, uh, let's get started. Gabe, how do you feel about his, I think we can call it a meltdown. I think I think I'm torn. I'm I'm right in the middle. I think um, he he yelled in the way that we all wish we could yell. You know, after uh, so many <laughs> months of being in this pandemic and seeing people just don't give a shit. But I don't think I can ever support somebody losing control like that with their uh, subordinates or employees or whatever you want to call these these people. I think it was a bit too aggressive. He was yelling for yeah. over two minutes. Over two minutes in the recording. Who knows if we went on longer than that? He was a bit too aggressive. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure that it was longer than that. Um, I, I think that I agree with you. I think that it was, you know, way over the top. That being said, he is getting a lot of support from Hollywood. A lot of other people's productions are shut down right now. So you have to go to wonder, is this, we know this isn't the first time on the set of Mission Impossible that they got shut down. They had, what, 12 people that got it earlier in production. You know, I understand that. And I also think that he finances a lot of this stuff. So his money is on the line. Right. That's true. I mean, he's, he has a, the producer hat on this thing. So he, he has a bigger stake. So it's, it's it's easy to see how he's overworked and stressed out. And, you know, he just let it go. But uh, again, too aggressive, too much. And I like it. But I would say that I like that he made it about like, you know, how many people are losing their houses and are not being able to pay their mortgage. Like that was, those are the people that were working for it. That was good because if he had been like, oh, I'm not going to be able to, you know, buy my next car or whatever the hell he's going to do. That would have been good. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm right in the middle, literally. Yeah, I, I'm there with you. I, I agree. Him making it about the the actual people that are making the movie happen was good. You you don't see that very much in Hollywood. I feel like it's usually all about the actors. So actually seeing him say, look, people are losing their livelihood if you do this. Like, you need to think about that. It does go to, to ask, though, how many times this has happened on set and if he just finally cracked. No matter what, uh, you're right. He shouldn't have yelled at anybody. But you're, we're all under that level of pressure right now. <laughs> Agreed. So let's move on to our story. Right. We, we got we got three stories today. Uh, we're going to exercise restraint, unlike the person on our first story. So let's move on to our second story. Zack Snyder, everybody's favorite, crazy, super talented, incredibly wise filmmaker, revealed that he anticipates that his director's cut of Justice League, also known as the Snyder Cut for Internet people, will be R-rated. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna just um, do the full quote because you gotta hear this thing. There is one scene where Batman drops an F-bomb. Cyborg is not too happy with what's going on in his life before he meets the Justice League and he tends to speak his mind. And Steppenwolf is pretty much just hacking people in half. So the rating would be due to violence and profanity, probably both. So this this just like I, I my tone was you know a bit excessive, but it's basically the way this guy speaks, and you know he's a bit of a teenager, and his heart speaks like it. So uh, what do you think, John? I mean, I wish we could do a, a two-hour thing on this Justice League um, mania um, and just have people like just losing their minds over this thing, but we'll do that whenever the the actual thing comes out. But how does this change anything? What do you think, John? I mean. Look, I'm not a Zack Schneider fan. No, I never have been probably in the past, I don't know, 300 was probably the last movie that he did that I liked. Yeah, this guy has made one good movie and then <laughs> the hype train, like, it yeah. was, like he, he he's made some decent films that I like, but it's just 300. 
Like this guy is living off of 300. It's as if Spielberg was living off of Jaws and that's it. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like it's just 100% with you on that. And I mean, yeah. you look at it, even Watchmen, like I could have made Watchmen to be completely honest, because it was a shot for shot remake of a comic book, right? He already had the storyboards. He didn't have to change right. anything. Right. Uh, and because uh, of it, it was so weirdly paced. And I like yeah. Watchmen, but let, let's try to stay off of that. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's stay on topic to this time. Um, how does it change anything? It just shows me that he's so disconnected. I mean, if this were going to theaters, there's no way that Warner Brothers would have allowed this movie to go to rated R. It's only because it's a direct-to-streaming movie that they're allowing it to be rated R. Because the rating doesn't matter when it's direct-to-streaming, right? It, it doesn't matter. It's arbitrary. No parents are going to pay attention to it because it's a Batman movie. Yeah. It doesn't change anything for me. I think that he's just trying to, you know, up the volume to 11 to try to get some some people to watch it i'll watch it just so that i can review it on the show but i'm not looking forward to it there was a reason that he was kicked off of it in the first place i think that warner is is losing their mind but you know what what are your thoughts i just i just think that he's becoming like modern day politicians and i won't say names but you can imagine who just appealing to his own base you know, this go, goes to the guys that got released the Snyder Cut trending for six months. Yeah. This goes yeah. to the people that, are, that, that, that believe that Batman v Superman is a masterpiece and it's rival Citizen Kane. This goes to those people and no one else. No one else. Because, like, you know, this, this is not for children, you know, that, that are playing with a Batman toy, it's... right? Yes. It's for that vocal minority, which the other day I was seeing, like, like Zack Snyder has less than a million followers on, on Twitter. So th- that means that, you know, the, the release the Snyder Cut crowd is less than a million people, way less, because probably out of those million people, you know, how many of those are actual, like, you know, release the Snyder Cut guys? And he's followed probably by Variety, the rap, Sin Inspection, right? <laughs> he's followed yeah. by a lot of people, right? Um, so how many of those? So he's just appealing to that base and the base that got this project made. And I'm happy that they got it made. But does this change anything? Not really. We know the guy is just going to go all in. Does it even make it more interesting? Does it really like, you know, because seeing Batman drop an F bomb, like I'm so edgy that Batman's going to say fuck. And it's like, really? I mean, it's not enough for you that he's the murderer. Yeah. Like he kills people. He's just like, like now he needs to say fuck. Like, sure. But why? That's, like, how does that help? Is, is that's not bad. You know, okay. I can, I can understand it. Like you're trying to humanize Batman making him drop the f-bomb big deal you already had him kill somebody (laughs) you've already completely ruined batman for a large majority of the people that have held this character you know in their hearts batman was one of my favorite comic book characters growing up and as i got older of course that changed but that being said no it doesn't make it more interesting if anything it just shows that he's doing anything he He's that person who's just screaming into a room full of people trying to get attention. And I'm sorry we're <laughs> giving him these 10 minutes of our time, but it's not worth it. We're going to watch the movie just to review it. I don't expect it to be good because nothing he does is good. You know, 300 was the last good movie he did, but how could you mess up 300? Yeah, well, I, I would say interesting-wise, I think, it, it's, it's a difficult word because does it make it more interesting? It doesn't make it more interesting that than just the Snyder Cut on its own. Like the fact that, that Batman says, Oh fuck you, Joker. Like it doesn't really, you know. But it it, it the, the Snyder Cut is sure to be interesting, uh and, and and more importantly perhaps more interesting than um uh the 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 theatrical cut. It's sure I mean, to be nothing can get worse. What what can get I, worse? I, mean, I don't dislike. I don't dislike the theatrical cut, but that's the story for another day. But yeah. I do not dislike it. I believe that it's it's not a good movie, but it's the best it could have been under the circumstances. So, but but it's it's not it's not interesting. It's just generic and pretty basic, right? So so will the Snyder cut be more interesting? Yes. Will make it in, make it R rated, make it even more interesting? No. It's the same fucking thing. Which leads us to the third thing, which is a word that Zack Snyder does not know, restraint. He does not know restraint, right? That's his problem. He just like does everything to a thousand. He's, he's the Michael Bay of comic book movies. Perfect, perfect analogy. Yes, he is. Like, 
he's just like, oh, well, if I'm going to do a director's cut, I might as well have an F word. In it. Like, well, but does it, you know, is it even relevant? No, but I could do it. So I'm just going to fucking do it. Yeah. Michael Bay has his place in like cheesy action movies that we all love to hate, right? I think a, a really big tell here is going to be you're going to have James Gunn's Suicide Squad coming out this year. And right. to you're going to be comparing a Snyder movie in the DC Cinematic Universe compared to a James Gunn movie in the DC Cinematic Universe. Not to mention that we're about to see Wonder Woman in like six days. So we'll have to talk about that next week. You're going to have what I assume are two pretty good DC Universe movies and then a Zack Snyder DC Universe movie. So like he's going up against his own cinematic universe and it, we're going to see how that plays out, but it can't be good. It, I, it, I don't know. I'm at a loss for words just because I'm, like I said, he's the Michael Bay of, of comic book movies. That's all he is to me. Yeah, he is. He is. It's just like, you know, it, it, it's funny because the, many of the, you know, a comic book movie Twitter are all over like, oh, Spider-Man, 20,000 villains, 20,000 characters. It's getting overblown. And it's like, I mean, sure. But, you know, so was Infinity War and they pulled it off. And I'm sure there's a good reason why they're, they're having three Spider-Mans in this thing. But Zack Snyder inserts things into the movie, even though they no, don't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Like, he just, <laughs> like, the fact that Wonder Woman isn't Batman v Superman, she does not do anything. She's completely irrelevant to the story. And it, she's good because Gal Gadot is good. And because, you know, we like the character, but she's completely irrelevant. She doesn't do anything except tie do, Doomsday up for two minutes. Yeah, um, it, there's no point in her being in that movie. Look, what he was trying to do is trying to catch a little bit of, the, of that lightning in a bottle that Marvel has. You know, Marvel did it with Iron Man 2 when they inter, introduced Black Widow. They did it again when they introduced, you know, throughout the entire thing. I'm not going to dig down that hole. They've introduced a lot of people as minor characters who then become major characters, right? He was trying to capture some of that, and he went about it in completely the wrong way. Right. And that's, yeah. And, and that's the same thing he's doing now. Like, he's just like, you know, I want to make it more edgy and, and you know, and so I'm going to have people say the F word, even though it doesn't really help anything. It doesn't make any sense. Like, fuck it. You know, he's just like, screw it. And he has a Martian Manhunter there. And I think he also said he was going to have uh, Adam, right? The superhero Adam. Yeah. Uh, he's trying to do everything he possibly right. can to look marvel has 10 years of movies zach schneider's three so i give him i give him a little bit of credit that he doesn't have much to work with but they gave him the keys to the kingdom and they said build us a cinematic universe right when that happened with kevin feige we saw what he did we see what zach schneider did he utterly failed at it i think that's kind of like i'm done you know like i i I give up on Zack Snyder. I hope that people like James Gunn can come over to DC and make something out of these great characters that have been written, but we'll just have to wait and see. Agreed. That's enough Zack Snyder talk for now. Uh, let's move on to our third story. The Mandalorian wrapped up its second season this Friday. What did we think about it? Here's our spoiler sound. Stop listening if you haven't watched this thing. Unless you don't give a shit. Here it goes. All right. Yes. What did I think about it? It was a great season, right? I think overall it was a great season. I had a lot of fun. They brought in a lot of uh, like legacy uh, minor characters. You know, they expanded characters from like Ahsoka Tano who comes from the, the the TV shows and they brought in Boba Fett and they, they run a lot of a lot of cool stuff they expanded on them Bo-Katan right yes exactly and they they, brought, they also had like fan favorites playing them so it, you know like like everybody loves Rosario Dawson and everybody loves Katie Sokoff right so they had you know people that we like playing characters that that people like i'm not that familiar with the expanded universe unfortunately but that but i like what i but but they did they brought back tamora morrison as, as, as boba fett even though he never technically played boba fett before right this is his first time um yeah but, but they brought him back and he did a good job um it was it was really entertaining it was a great season overall and i get into the negatives after i hear your thoughts so great season Loved um, all of the characters that you listed. I do love the expanded universe, especially as far as like Clone Wars and Rebels are concerned. 
bringing in the the dark saber which we saw at the end of season one that was awesome being able to see that that duke out between mando was good it was a great season they brought in just to reiterate what you said they brought in a lot of great actors to handle a lot of these key characters i don't think that they messed them up too much i know the twitterverse hates us because we don't think that rosario dawson should have had longer what you know whatever she was great she's in her greatest Luca tano and I, I can't wait to see her in her own show getting to the part that people aren't going to like it was very very predictable what was going to happen there was nothing there in everybody online was like, oh my God, it's this crazy, you know, spoil. I didn't think so. I, I thought that Luke coming in was a completely predictable thing. I will say that deep fakes have gotten so good now. That was a really, really good scene. Probably not having that great of a budget on special effects. But who the fuck, it was who the fuck did the voice? Because that wasn't Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill's voice doesn't sound like that. It hasn't sounded like that in 20 years. So who... who 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 did the voice for Luke Skywalker in this thing? I don't know. I mean, I had to guess that they just took old clips and edited it together. Yeah, but but, but, I, but I don't think so. I mean, it 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 really did sound like Mark Hamill for most of the time. Yeah, uh, there were a couple of like things that we were like, oh, this is not Mark Hamill, but it was it mostly did sound like him. So I don't I don't know what what they did, but uh, I, it looked good. I I loved the way it looked. Some people were saying it looked fake. I was like, no, I mean. People wish they would have gotten like that. You know, my go-to like bad the aging effect is the uh, it's X Men: The Last Stand. Remember the the opening scene oh, yeah. where where Ian McKellen looks just like Andy from the first Toy Story. <laughs> you know, it just looks yeah. uh, horrible. Uh, they didn't have that problem. It looked great. I mean, look wise, it looked great. Uh, I I will go here on on the part. I I, I don't enjoy saying bad things about Star Wars on the internet. Because it just the fan base has gotten so aggressive and just, you know, they overcompensate, you know, the things that they hate, they hate with passion and the things that I love, they love, they love with passion if you dare say something against them. Ah, right? So we're not that. None of us are that. We will never be that, hopefully, right? I don't think we will, right, John? We'll we'll be normal people. It would have to take a very drastic turn to kill my love. I I mean, look, I've gone to both the Star Wars parks in both California and in Florida. I built a lightsaber. I'm a Star Wars nerd. Like, I, there's there's nothing else to explain that. That being said, I will speak my mind when I feel a certain way. I have spoke my mind last episode on Rogue One and how I thought it should be two movies. I'm speaking my mind this time when I say it was predictable. Yes, it was great, but it was still predictable. And for how much the internet went insane, I was expecting a lot more. To be completely honest, I was expecting something actually unpredictable. Somebody dying or killing off a character, which I really think needs to happen. Because right now, we're very monster of the week in Mandalorian. It is it is monster of the week. Yeah. I, I the last three agree. episodes. Yeah. The last three episodes were the first arc to not be a monster of the week type thing. So... Yeah, it, it it it's it's the show is sort of like uh, I need something. Uh, oh, if you want this something, you got to help me do this something. And it's mm -hmm. it's I don't I it worked for two seasons. It might work for three, but I don't think it's gonna work for eleven shows or however many they're planning. But, no, but they, before they, we they have to do yeah. longer story arcs, they're gonna have to do longer story arcs. Now the thing is, is Mandalorian space western, and it does harken back to the times of the '90s where everything was Monster of the Week, right? Like right. episodes of X Files and Smallville, Buffy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those were all Monster of the Week, and it works, but it only works for a certain amount of time before you need this expanded thing. I, what I do love is that they're explaining how the new order was formed or at least starting to explain it, which was a big problem that I had with episode seven, eight, nine was okay. Cool. Lampers back. What, what happened? How did the empire just rise out of the ashes 30 years later? I like that. It's filling those gaps, but I think that people are overhyping it for me before I get to see it, which it, it took me less than 24 hours to watch it this time. And it, it still got overhyped somehow. I did love the Kevin Smith thing, by the way. The what thing? The Kevin Smith reference. Oh, we haven't, we've talked about this. You haven't seen Clerks. In uh, Clerks, there's a argument about, you know, what happened with the Death Star and all the people that lived on it. 
or worked on it and millions died and were their families compensated and all of that. They made reference to Kevin Smith's reference from clerks on the episode. I think it was not the last episode, but the episode before. Anyway, loved that great little clerks reference. Say your two cents and we'll see how mad we make Twitter today. Yeah, well, I mean, all right. I, I'm just going to say two things that bothered me with the Luke Skywalker moment because it was objectively great. You know, he had a lot of action and they spent the whole episode hyping these uh, robot things, which, you know, the fact that that Moff Gideon is like, oh, these are robots so superior to clones, uh, you know, uh, you know? Or, or to people, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if they're clones anymore, but superior to people. No, it's like, no, dude. Yeah. Like, no, dude, you don't get to say that because we already got preached on the other side from the Camino lady. Remember in episode two, she was like, oh, clones are superior to droids because they can think creatively. Mm-hmm. And then you bring in these AI guys this robots and it just it just felt to me like it's it's what's visually appealing uh to the story that they'll say is superior and i don't know what's better if a state-of-the-art ai or a person i don't know but the but the way in which it, it just felt sloppy what they were trying to reference is simple they wanted to show that like the droids were making a comeback remember in episode one and i know episode one episode one and two with the clone wars that the droids and the trade federation were superior but the Jedi could walk in, and while the drones could go in and take over entire planets, two Jedi could come in and wipe out an entire, you know, legion of drones. And they were just trying to get back to that, like, oh, the Empire's going to rely on drones again, and then one Jedi comes in and just wipes them all out without issue. I think that's what they were trying to get to, but, you know, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like, they did hype them up for an entire episode, and then nothing. Well, uh, they also like Mandalor. The Mandalorian fought them for like one minute, and he won. Like to me, it was just like, what is happening here? They keep hyping these things, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I knew they wanted to show how powerful Luke, Luke was, which I appreciate. I would have appreciated a lot more five years ago, because and this is this this comes to my two negatives. Number one. It showed me how many opportunities were wasted in the new trilogy. Yeah. Because they they wasted having Mark Hamill still, you know, in a right age to have a badass moment. You know, I think I, I heard somebody online, like, before The Last Jedi, they were discussing, like, I want to see Luke Skywalker, like, destroy, like, take like, destroy a Star Destroyer with his hands like you know just the, like force power yes. like because he's like an extremely powerful jedi maybe the most powerful jedi ever and i want to see him do some stuff that nobody else can do you know like here here i am just like destroying everything something kind of like what the mandalorian did you know the, destroying the overhyped uh robots um i should say yeah, without missing a beat exactly yeah. something like that so but he never did that in the new trilogy. So it just felt like they wait, like the opportunities that they wasted are now taken by the Mandalorian. Which brings me to my second problem, which is these shows, this Star Wars project, like it, 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 it's, it has become incredibly clear how much they're just relying on nostalgia. This is like when they don't know how to do Star Wars without being nostalgic. They, they, they can't break new ground. They can't do anything that's not about bounty hunters, smugglers, Jedi, you know, it's, it's, it's all the same. Well, and the thing is, is yeah. it's not even just Jedi. It, and this is what I said last episode. It's not just about the Jedi. It's, they can't do anything away from the Skywalkers, right? Yeah. It yeah. has to be about the Skywalkers. And I'm just, I'm burnt out on the Skywalkers. I want, if you're going to show me a Jedi, show me another Jedi, like arguably Ahsoka Tano's episode had just as good, if not better, action sequences than Luke coming back. Yes, like, yes, yes. I mean, Especially because to me, I'm not very familiar with Ahsoka Tano. I'm not a fan of Rebels or um, Clone Wars, but I loved her episode. She came in, she had two sword, you know, two lightsabers, I should say, right? Wielding those at the same time. Like, we hadn't seen that that way before, so it just felt fresh. She was a new character for, for this, uh, for live action, you know, like existing, of course, mm-hmm. in animation, but she just brought in something completely new. And, 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 and you're right, it arguably worked better. Um, and, and, and it didn't feel as nostalgic-based. I mean, in some ways, I guess, Ahsoka brings in some nostalgia of people that grew up with the Clone Wars show. But it, it's, it's a different kind of nostalgia that at least expands on three movies that were made 
40 years ago, you know, and, 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 and you want to keep relying on the same thing, like, oh, here's the space milk and, you know, uh, the, the blue milk. Yeah. And here's the something. And just bringing Luke in, it just made it so clear to me that... So I think this approach was defined by J.J. Abrams and his writers. I can't remember who you wrote uh, episode seven with. I think it was Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah, it was Lawrence Kasdan. They wrote this, like, episode seven is basically a remake of episode four. And they weren't trying to hide it. And it's super obvious. It's very obvious that it's almost a shot. Like same exact premise same exact thing well yeah. but what i what i will say that i don't like is that and oh god people are really gonna hate me i do not like ryan johnson as a director for a star wars movie i i did not like um episode eight i thought that it was just i thought that they had set up something really good with episode seven because she goes at the end and she has luke standing there and I thought that we actually might get to see how powerful Luke Skywalker is. And then you get to episode eight and it just goes, he shut himself off from the force. And it's like, hang on, this is Luke Skywalker. This is, like you said, arguably, I mean, one of the most powerful Jedi out there. He's considered the last Jedi in existence. He re- he tried to rebuild the entire Jedi Academy and the Jedi Order and he cut himself off from the force. And I, like I said, I don't want to go down this path because I really, I get just like, huge tangent but it did give me that sense of like okay we got to see luke he's super powerful we got to see him in his prime arguably i would have loved to have seen him train ray in the same way that he kind of got trained anyway that that's neither here yeah, or there. i yeah. agree with you. no I, I yeah it just it just felt like yeah this is what they wasted and then all we got is you we got to show you luke the way he used to look you know, with, with, with expanded CGI. And we got to show you he's been wearing the same outfit he was wearing in, in Return of the Jedi. And this is yeah. all they have. And if those 11 shows, if all these 11 shows are going to do is rely on nostalgia for movies that have been parodied, uh, already remade, you know, uh, uh, and have inspired like thousands of movies, if all they got is this, then I will lose interest very quick. Because the fact that I didn't like get super excited to see Luke Skywalker come in and destroy those droids, fight his way through the Star Destroyer, the fact that that didn't excite me as much, I was just like, oh, that's okay, yeah, that's cool. Because, you know, they've exhausted my nostalgia brain. Like, what else you got? And, and, and it was completely yeah. predictable. Completely predictable. And, and, and it also, it just feels like, like I said, you know, the, the J.J. Abrams, Lawrence Kasdan school of let's do these, let's make these as retro movies. These are remakes. These are inspired on what you've seen. And then it came in Ryan Johnson and he, he tried something different. He tried to do the, it's what you know, but the opposite, right? Like, oh, instead of, mm-hmm. instead of having, you know, uh, um, uh, Ray be trained by Luke, uh, we will have Luke not wanting to train her because that's unexpected, you know, and he, he did the unexpected. Well, but the thing is, is that's not unexpected. Yeah. The funny thing is, is so he literally tried to copy Empire Strikes Back. He did, because remember, that's exactly what Yoda does. Yeah, but, yeah. No, but Yoda, Yoda doesn't do Luke would never do yeah. that, though. Yeah, Luke well, would never is, do that. Luke have epic tonnage, but my point being, these, the, 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 the Disney Star Wars trajectory has not brought in anything creatively new. Everything is towards the same. Every, everything looks the same. And even, even it was George Lucas, when he saw episode seven, he said, they made a retro movie. I don't like that. I like to bring in new stuff, new worlds, new planets. And that's what he did with the prequels. To good or bad results, you know, everybody has their own opinion. That's fine. These things are just nostalgia. Yeah. So if we're going to get a Patty Jenkins movie, then it's going to be the same as The Mandalorian. And if we're going to get a Taika Waititi movie. It's going to be a bit more comedic, maybe. So he might get fired, same as Lord and Miller. But it's going to be the same <laughs> thing. And then we're going to get 20 shows, and they're all going to be the same fucking thing. I mean, I really, there is one of those shows that is based on the High Republic. But give me something that's set in the same universe a thousand years. Yeah, before. but the High Republic is going to be, I promise you, it's going to be the same. But like, I was thinking when I saw the, the, the last episode, Friday's episode, uh, and he walks into a bar and there's uh, uh, Kitty Sakurov's character and sidekick. Bo-Katan, who, yeah. Who's, who's killed, like, you know, unceremoniously. And I just wondered, how many bar, cantina bar sets they built for this season? At least, you know what, five or six? 
for about eight episodes. They just yeah. built they just built cantinas because Star Wars isn't cantinas, right? That's what you liked in the original. So they just have cantinas all the time. And it's like, sure, but like how 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 much longer are you gonna play that? You know, like how much longer are you gonna do the the spaceport, the cantina, the the the, the Jedi Temple? The, it's just it's a lot of the same, and it doesn't really feel like it has legs to do a lot more for me. You know, it, it, I, and I think most fans will eventually get to where I am, and maybe you know you're closer uh, closer to that too, because this is not the future. This if this is the future, then it will be a short future, and they won't get to do those same shows. Yeah, I agree. I think that if they don't change the the game plan, now I can kind of see what they're doing. They're following the Marvel route where they're gonna build a universe and blah blah. blah. But they need to really not rely on the Skywalkers to build the entire universe. Mandalorian does do a pretty good job of allowing us to see other places and stuff like that. But... It, it does and it doesn't. I, I think I, I've said it before. I think it, the Mandalorian would have been more more effective for me if they had done it before they did the new trilogy. Because right now, all the like, oh, this looks like the original movies thing, it's been exhausted by the, 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 the new trilogy. Oh, I agree. I think that, well, this would have been a hundred times better if it were done before the new trilogy. Right. But then we would have gotten the new trilogy. Instead, what they gave us was three movies that were built on nothing about some girl who we eventually find out is the daughter, a clone, I guess. I don't Wait, know. No, no ranting about the Rising Skywalker in the spot for now, please. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It's fine, but it's it's waving. It's just I'm losing interest in Star Wars because it's excessive. Star Wars for me used to be this event. You know, you get a new Star Wars movie. Wow, right? And now we've gotten we've gotten five Lucasfilm movies, two seasons of a show. You know, it's 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 essentially more content that we had from Star Wars before. It's gonna keep coming, and and yeah. and it's all based around three movies. But anyway, that is our discussion on the Mandalorian season two. What do you think? Let us know. Just just be nice. Star Wars is fun, and also stop spoiling it on Twitter for people. Star Wars is fun. Let people experience it. If somebody disagrees, give people at least twenty four hours. Like, that's my rule of thumb. You need to give people at least 24. Like, before you go and spoil it on yeah, Twitter, I, please give yeah, us 24. Yeah, yeah. I, I was spoiled. I was spoiled because some guy just posted, Luke Skywalker, dot, 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 hashtag the Mandalorian. That's all he did. And that spoiled it for me. Yeah. So it was annoying. Don't do that. Be nice to each other. Then we move on to our next and final story of the day. All right, here we go. Uh, so we're going to do spoilers on this one, too. So here's our spoiler alert uh, sound for the movie Tenet, Christopher Nolan's Tenet, which was just released in home video this week. Uh, but we're going to do a spoiler review. So here's the spoiler alert jingle that you will come to love. I watched Tenet in theaters a few months ago, twice actually, in a drive-in theater before everybody like, oh, he doesn't respect uh, quarantine. I do. It was a drive-in. I was alone the first time. I watched it with my family the second time. By the way, drive-ins suck, but that's besides the point. Um, I watched it twice and then I, I have it now. I, I, I got it in 4K and I watched it. And I love this movie. I'm happy I'll finally get somebody to talk to uh, about it, especially somebody like Ju John. It's, it's always an honor. So. Let's go with you first. What do you think of Tenet? I don't want to say masterpiece lightly, <laughs> ever. I don't, I don't want people to think that I just love old movies. Oh my God. I've watched it twice in 24 hours, if that gives you any indication of how much I loved it. True to Christopher Nolan, he does weird twists and he makes you think, and a lot of people are going to hate it because of that. The same people that did not like in movies like Interstellar and Inception are not going to like this movie. He uses time and logic to just really dig in. And that being said, this, and man, I'm, I'm really digging myself a hole on the internet. It was better than The Dark Knight. I'm sorry, it was. I, I could go back and watch this more times in the next two days. Like, it's just that good. And every time that you watch it, 
you're gonna get something new out of it. This is this is the closest thing to like a real mind twist since Fight Club for me, which 1999, of course, Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, huge twist at the end. But every time you watch Fight Club, you get to revisit Fight Club. And there's so many things that they've just hidden throughout that movie. He has hidden so many little intricacies in this movie. And he's also pulled from previous movies. And we talked about this a little bit, but we'll talk about it more here. The fact that he used the the inception concept of planting an idea so far back in time that it becomes a reality to me is just insane. And I'll explain that because I know that you would kind of question why I say that Gabe, but he, they planted the people in the future, which also people in the future is also the same concept from interstellar that it's not actually an alien race. It's just us, you know, light years ahead People in the future planted a seed back in the 1980s for this guy that would set him up for life. And they picked him specifically, just like in Interstellar, they had picked Matthew McConaughey's character to be able to go through time, to be able to reassemble the algorithm that basically recreates the singularity. Yeah, It's masterful. And that to me is just like, okay, you just pulled from two of your other really great movies. I don't know. I, I mean, you know, give me your opinion on it. I, I just, it, I, I loved it. I think, I think it's, um, I don't think it's better than the dark Knight. <laughs> um, I actually don't think it's better than his best movies, but that doesn't mean I love it for its own way. And, and, and without comparing it to anything else, I, I had not liked Nolan movies since inception, like all the movies after inception between inception and Tenet, I should say, I did not really like. So that includes Dark Knight, Not Rises, Interstellar, and Dunkirk. I did not like any of those that much. I think this movie works really, really well. I think uh, it, it's not perfect. It, it, it's really hoping that you're paying attention throughout, and it's really hoping that you're thinking about it and that you're trying to, to understand it because there are, you won't get everything the first time or the second time or the third time. I've watched, I've watched it three, time, three times at this point. You won't get everything. And that's okay. He knows it. He knows it. But you get enough to be invested. You get enough to be into it. And, and like you said, yes, it it it, it kind of like uh, he, he Christopher Nolan's obsessed with time, mm -hmm. right? He's obsessed with it. I think all his movies uh, or most of his movies that do not have the the name uh, Batman in the title or or a character mm -hmm. named Batman, most of his movies uh, deal with time in in an interesting way, right? Some are you know, a bit, a bit smaller in the, in the time uh, conundrum, like Dunkirk, you know, it's just with the time thing, it's only a matter of how, how the characters are experiencing the events. But this movie is all about time and how it's experienced, how it works. It breaks your brain to think about somebody walking backwards in time while the, the world moves forward, right? It's, it's, it's hard to explain. It's hard to digest. Well, they're not really moving. Yeah, they're, yeah, the particles are going backwards, right? Like the timeline is reversed, but they're not actually. One of the things that I loved about it was the fact that you can't just travel in time. You can't just pick a time and travel back to it. You, right, you need to live it backwards. So you're, exactly. so, yeah. So the, the way I was explaining it to, to my girlfriend was, so for me, tomorrow will be December 20th. But for somebody go inverted, tomorrow will be December 18th. Correct. Yeah. We're recording this December 19th, by the way. Won't be released then. So, um, but it's a different way to experience time. It works. It's not a DeLorean that just you know you press a button, you go at 80 miles per hour, and you just show up wherever you want. That is not what this is. It's a new way of time travel, but it is time travel. And I like that they address the the fact that so many of these time travel stuff leads into paradoxical issues mm -hmm. and the answer is like oh it's a paradox so what's the answer it's a paradox there is no answer it is it is what it is right like we know so the, the point is that the villains which are future humans in this thing believe that uh, they have their own belief about the paradox so that's what matters because then we have the threat right yeah the the whole paradox thing to me is great because in respect they act they do explain like how the paradoxes could work out with multiple realities right like with a multiverse which I love multiverse I think that is a really cool concept and like science wise and string theory but that being said 
it's really cool in this movie because he's like, I don't know multiverse. Like they actually just kind of allude to the fact that, well, even if you do create this paradox, you're likely not going to shatter all of time, but you might, you likely will lead to an entire another universe where it's not happening the same way. Right. And I thought that was great. Uh, to quote, uh... To quote Bike Back to the Future again, instead of destroying the fabric of the universe, it would only make you pass out, right? Yeah. Remember <laughs> part two when Jennifer, <laughs> it might destroy the fabric of the universe, but it, it only made them both pass out. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's a good concept. It works really well. I don't think it's a perfect movie as much as I liked it. I think, and this is intentional, but it doesn't mean, you know, I, I don't have anything to say about it, but I think he mostly forgot about characters in this movie it, it's it's all about plot and experience you know the experience of watching but the main character is so basic that he doesn't even have a name he's just the protagonist right he didn't like he, he's just the guy and they give him some stakes with like you know he kind of wants, wants to save his quote-unquote love interest but other than that he's just so i love that though because that actually going back to fight club you you know who Tyler Durden is, right? Yeah. But the narrator is only referred to as either the narrator or Jack's whatever, which is from the book. You know, I'm Jack's angry, whatever. And it works. And you don't need that much character development for that person. And I do like how he explains that at the end of the movie. And I'm fresh on the movie. I just watched it this morning again. But his way of explaining it is when the two characters di diverge at the end of the movie, he says, well, your story is just beginning. Our story, my story is just ending. Our story is years in the making. Meaning, like, you don't know the character because he doesn't, he hasn't become a character yet, right? Like, he's the protagonist of this whole event and everything, but his story hasn't even been told. And then you find out that the protagonist is actually the one pulling all the strings to make this entire pincer move work. Yeah. Like I said, it works, but. I, it's not something I love. I love characters and I, it works here and that's fine. In all honesty, I think the, 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 the character that's developed the most in this thing is, uh, Elizabeth Debicki's mm -hmm. character. Um, uh, forgot her name in the movie. Cat. I think it's just yeah. Kat, right? I think. Um, yeah. So she's great and she has a lot of like, you know, the, the climax ends up you know, in many ways ends up being her, like finally getting some closure and everything that she's being put through. Right. And 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 she's she's the most interesting character in a movie that is not really about characters, right? Um, it's a which is a very different change for him, right? Because we're coming off of what his last movie, Dunkirk. So Dunkirk was nothing but character development. It was an entire movie. Of oh characters. no, I I completely disagree. Dunkirk, he forgot about characters even more. Really? No, the main no, guy doesn't no. even. Yeah, it's nothing. Like like, tell me, like it's just it's a guy on a plane. <laughs> some guys in a boat uh, i think his most his most character heavy movie would be memento or insomnia maybe because he's not usually like the he's not somebody like aaron sorkin you know that delves into character and it's just he, he's a different okay. kind of Christopher guy Nolan's movies all right think about it this way if he was even clicking his movies are already two and a half hours so they would be like three years for a christopher nolan movie if he did more character development one thing i do want to talk about the score in this movie, and his movies always have an amazing score. I don't care what you say about anything else. His always. movies always have the best score. And totally. another spoiler alert, Cyberpunk came out this week. If you liked the score from Tenet, the soundtrack to Cyberpunk is almost like it lines up so well. I almost want to like check and see if the same people that scored that game scored the movie. Like it's, it, it's incredible. And I, didn't realize that until I rewatched it the second time. But everything about this movie, for me, yeah, it had little things here and there. And yeah, the character development wasn't that huge. But like you said, I don't think you needed it. You know, in a movie like this, if there would have been more to think about, your head would have just exploded because there was already so much going on. No, yeah. It had just enough to feel like there are some stakes. Like the, 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 the what is, in my opinion, the best part of the movie is when he starts uh he, he becomes inverted right mm -hmm. just to save uh yeah. um but he goes back they all go back right to save her from the from 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 getting shot 
yeah. it's the character like it's it is relevant you want her to you know to survive because again to me she was the most uh, inter interesting character in the thing and also because of his relationship with her you know he's put her he, he put her life at stake it's basically his, his fault that she's in this right and he goes back to save her so there's enough for you to be invested in these characters for for for, for the plot it, it is it is it is intentional like people he's not like somebody like paul ws anderson whose new movie was just released this week. Paul W.S. Anderson, for guys that don't know, he's the guy that did the Resident Evil movies uh, and lots of other disposable crap. That guy doesn't understand characters. That guy, to, to, to that guy, character development is somebody making out with somebody and then saying, I'll yeah. be back, you know, or, or, or I'll save you. You know, it's, it's Christopher Nolan is not that. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's prioritizing and he has a reason for doing things. And I'm I'm at risk of sounding like a you know a, a crazy zombie uh, Christopher Nolan fan, which I am not. But he knows what he's doing. It worked really really well here. I wish we we could bring in at some point uh, some sort of physicist, you know, somebody that they can explain well, you to us what we're trying that, to right? Like do. he did it with he he did it with right. Interstellar. Yeah. That's and it's actually kind of funny because. You know. We actually rendering of a black hole, and guess what it looked like? Just like Christopher Nolan's rendering of a black hole, because he had had all these physicists on what they actually believed it was going to look like, right? So he actually, the thing is, exactly. he did a time travel movie where it's actually within the realm of physics, right? Like, it's not some mystical thing where you pick a point in time. It actually makes sense. Like, okay, you reverse a, a particle and it goes back in time. Right. And it moves backwards in time. Now, could somebody breathe or whatever? I don't know. I'm not, like I said, I don't know about that. But everything else makes sense. It, it's a logical way of doing time travel. And that's why the boats always flow backwards and stuff like that. They're taking, right. you know, they never just zip somewhere. He actually makes it a point to show you them in the cargo container and they're in there for like a week at a time because they've got to go backwards through time, which actually takes a week. What's also funny to note about this movie is time traveling ages you twice as fast because if you go back a week, then you live that week going backwards and then you're going forward a week. So you're actually living right. two weeks for yeah. every week you go back in time. Right. Yeah, that, 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 is, that, that I thought was interesting, an interesting dilemma in some ways, right? Yeah. Um, because the only way to go forward in time is to just live, right? And the, you're, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, and just to close this out, because we're almost out of time, what do you think the legacy of this movie is going to be? Because not enough people watched this thing, especially in the United States. Not enough people watched it. Like I told you, I struggled to find anybody to talk about it with because nobody saw it. People are rightfully and correctly afraid of getting coronavirus if they go to movie theater. And, and, and it, it wasn't playing in enough screens. They were a low, uh, low capacity. And if you wanted to, I don't know if it was playing in your city or town. So counting that, it did, it, it did not get the attention that it deserved. Like I remember when Inception came out, everybody was talking about Inception. So what do you think is going to happen to Tenet in the long term? So I think that guys like you and I will turn over my new thing, really love it. And maybe the film community as a whole really like it. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Even if it were in theaters, I think it would have had a, a massive first week box office opening. Okay. I do believe that because every Christopher Nolan movie does. It doesn't matter if it's Dunkirk or Batman or anything that he's done. It always has a great box office opening because his movies are great. This movie took so much thought though, that it is going to shoot right over the heads of the crowd that normally goes and watches big blockbuster movies. It's not an easily digestible movie. You have to watch it at least twice, at a minimum, to be able to get it. Even then. To somewhat get it, I should say. To somewhat get it. Yeah, yeah. to somewhat get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was a little bit too highbrow. It's just a very complex movie. And typically when you get complex movies at like this level of complexity, it's just too much for somebody to understand. And then they're just going to go, they're going to walk into the theater. They're either going to have their minds blown or they're going to be like, that was dumb. I don't get it. And I think that the vast majority, probably over 50% of people who would have watched this on box office opening weekend would have been in that range of, I don't get it. And nor do I care to get it. It was just another movie, you know, Inception, that was a great movie that gave you a lot to talk about at the end. Does the, does it topple over or not? And it explained itself really, really well. 
Same thing with Interstellar. Another great movie explained itself. I don't think that Tenet explains itself. You are the one that has to kind of walk through and be like, okay, they reverse time once. Okay, why are they wearing oxygen masks? Oh, it's because they reverse time again and when they're flying in the right direction at a time. By the way, I think that the oxygen mask was actually just a plot device to be able to let you know when in the time frame that they were moving, either forward or backwards. I don't think that it actually... You really yeah, it, it was it was that that I'm gonna say it's negative. It was a bit annoying in the third act that you couldn't see who was whom. Like it, it was hard to tell who was behind the mask. Yeah, it, it was it was difficult. And and just to close this out because we're 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 running out of time right now. I'm just gonna say that. So just to close this out, I'm gonna say I, I agree with what you said. I think the the legacy of this movie is gonna be uh, like a Donnie Darko. And if you haven't seen Donnie Darko. You know what are you waiting for? Go watch it. And yeah, that movie, movie, yeah, it's it's amazing because it works. Uh, despite you not being able to understand everything, I think you understand enough uh, when when you first watch it to have fun. It has like really snappy dialogue, really funny characters, uh, really creepy atmosphere. It just works well. But then when you research about it, you find like the tangent universe and you know those things, the manipulated living, and you you get a lot of things like beyond that help you know you you on rewatch and i think it's a sophisticated taste and and and, and it, 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 i think tenant in the long term might have some of that and i hope it does that people watch it and rewatch it and watch it and it ends up being profitable because it's a fantastic movie and i i do think it would have been successful like some people i think it would have had what 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 i call the roma syndrome uh remember roma from alfonso cuaron um a couple of years ago that movie was an art house movie like super yeah. like, just low as heck and everybody pretended like oh it's so so good roma was great it's like you didn't like it because it was slow like it was a slow ass movie right you just pretend you fucking liked it and it, people would have pretended they liked it in a way that they would have watched that to or maybe to watch it again and get it more or maybe just to discuss it you know it would have been the topic of conversation instead of a deadly virus if we were in an ideal world. And that's what I would have liked for Tenet, and I, I wish we would have gotten it. John, we are out of time. <laughs> and unlike Zack Snyder, uh, you and me in Cinespection, no restraint. On that note, I will say goodbye for this week. Next week, I think Wonder Woman will be reviewing, right? Oh, yeah. And maybe Soul. Uh, Soul comes out Christmas Day, too. So look forward to that. I know we will. Uh, happy holidays, everyone. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Cinespection. And you can find me at Film Opinionitis on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And you can find John on Twitter at J-O-H first. On Twitter, follow us. So where we tweet and we discuss. And we do the same thing we do here, just in 180 characters. And don't forget to subscribe to Cinespection Podcast. I agree. See you next week. This has been Cinespection.